Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. This is my first time. My name is Ricky, by the way, if you didn't catch that, but um, this is my first time preaching here. So, um, yeah, you can clap. Thank you. <laughs> um, thank you, thank you. Um, and uh, usually I'm used to um, talking to people that are a couple feet uh, shorter than you guys. Um, I'm a children's pastor, so usually I'm talking to the kids and, and teaching them, but I get the privilege of um, sharing with you what God put um, on my heart this week and, and through our study in Ephesians. Um, and so I'm just going to uh, pray one more time, so if you just join me in that. Um, Father God, thank you so much for this privilege and this honor, God, to speak to your people. Um, God, I, I believe that you have a word for us, God, and that you want to encourage our hearts and point us to you, Lord. And so um, as David the psalmist said, Father, would you open our eyes so that we would see wonderful things from your word um, this morning, Lord. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, how many of you guys know that if we have Jesus, we have everything? Mm. I mean, if I'm honest, um, even this weekend and previously, I found as I was um, talking to the Lord and praying, I found out that um, my heart at times um, goes through these kind of like ebbs and flows, these roller coasters of um, really being in all of who God is and, and loving God with all my heart. And then moments where I find my um, kind of callous in a way um, to who God is. And how many of you guys can relate? There are moments in our lives where we find ourselves really enjoying the Lord, loving the Lord, um, being in awe of the Lord, but then we also find ourselves in moments kind of um, drawing away from the Lord and not, not uh, drawing near to the presence of God as often as we would like. Um, there are many times, uh, you know, having an iPhone is, is a great... Uh, you know, a great tool, but there's many times that the, the phone can become such a distraction um, in our lives. And so I, f I found there's many times where I'm, you know, scrolling Facebook and Instagram for hours on end, and you realize, man, you know, I I've just wasted all this time. Not to mention there are moments where God might have wanted to speak to me in that moment, or God might have wanted me to spend time with him and hear from him um, to encourage me, right? He draws us near um, so that we might be edified too. Um, and uh, as I was preparing, I, I came across this quote by uh, C.S. Lewis, um, who some of you guys might be familiar with. He's a great uh, Christian author who passed away. Um, but he says um, this, If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. Let that sink in for a minute. That's just my, my break to get a sip of water. Um, But C.S. Lewis says this in his book, The Weight of Glory. And um, the thing that struck me was not that we're um, too little pleased, or not that we're um, pleased enough, but that we're too little pleased. Our pleasures in this life, the way that we um, pursue pleasures in this life, and he mentioned some of them, but it's not limited to that, where we don't have a full scope of what God is offering us in Christ. Um, and I would say that there are many times many believers who, who profess to be believers and might actually be believers don't understand exactly the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. 
and what he's actually offering us. And so there's oftentimes we spend our time enjoying pleasures. And by the way, I'm not saying that pleasure is a bad thing, right? The Bible tells us that God has given us uh, things to enjoy, right? So food, food, friends, family, um, entertainment. The reason why we can even experience joys in this life is, is because God has kind of put his imprint on that, that we experience God in a way through these things that he has provided. But ultimately, God is showing us that there is much more greater things to experience in Christ beyond those things that sometimes we don't take hold of. Um, if you've been with us, um, we have been going through the book of Ephesians, um, for those that are new, and just by way of, of reminder and kind of refresh, refreshment for you guys, um, Ephesians, if, if we can sum it up, um, Crawford, Pastor Crawford spoke on this last week, but he said that the book of Ephesians is about unity, um, and it's not just any kind of unity, but it's unity under Christ. And we'll see in a minute that Ephesians 1 tells us that God has designed uh, the universe and also has sent Christ into the world to bring all things under Christ. And, and he causes us to experience this unity um, through relationships, right? The, the whole world has been broken by sin and especially relationships. And so God is, is, is starting with that. Um, and so chapter 1 through 3, we're going to go through chapter 3 this morning, but chapter 1 through 3 is who we are in Christ positionally, right? And chapter 4 through 6 shows us how to practice that, right? So positionally in Christ, who we are, and then how do we live this out now that we're in Christ? And all of that is meant to display. If we're going to be unified as a body of believers, and we're going to display that unity to the wor world to glorify God, we need to understand who we are. Amen? And so in, in, in chapter 1, um, Paul lays out, he says, listen, you're in Christ. Here are these amazing gifts, right, that God has given us. It's kind of like a long Christmas wish list, right, but God supplies all of it. He says, I've given you forgiveness. I've given you grace. I've given you my love. I've given you access into my presence, right? He's given us this. And um, Paul knows that in order to really fully appreciate the weight of this and what we've received, we're going to need some divine help, right? How many of you guys know it's not just enough to know the Bible? It's not just enough to, to understand that we've been forgiven. A lot of times we, we know these things. If I, if I asked um, how many of you guys know that Jesus loves you, you'd be able to raise your hand. If I said how many of you guys know that you've been, been forgiven by God, you'd be able to raise your hand. But how many of us truly experience on a day-to-day -day the joys and wonders of being saved and being forgiven and loved by God, right? And so we need the Holy Spirit's work in our lives to be able to fully appreciate this. And so in chapter 1, towards the end of that, Paul tells us, he says, listen, because of this hope that you have, he says this to believers, I'm praying for you so that you would understand this on a deeper level. I'm praying that you would understand the hope of the gospel that you have in Christ. I'm praying that you would understand the riches of Christ that we have as fellow believers in this body church, but even churches down the street and in Philadelphia and beyond, that we all experience this together and also the power that's available in our lives, power over sin, power over uh, the, the struggles that we face in our lives, and the power to actually live out the life that God calls us to live so that we might glorify him and other people might be drawn in. And then Paul moves on to chapter 2, and he talks about, uh, he gets a little bit into the, 
the, the nitty-gritty and some touchy spots because a lot of times when we talk about the love of God, we can just share in a way that says, oh, God loves me, God loves me, and we, we understand that, but Paul paints this picture of where we once were in order to magnify the love of God. And so in a way, if, if you've ever seen a jeweler, when they're inspecting a diamond, usually they have a black background, right? And they put the diamond on that. It's to show the brilliance of the diamond. In the same way, Paul kind of shows us that um, it's on the backdrop of our sin that God shows us the brilliance of his love and glory, right? And so we see the sin that we had, right? And a lot of people, we don't want to confront that. The fact that God loved me is not based on what I've done. Um, it's good that I've done, I should say, but it's based on God's unmerited favor. That's called grace in the Bible. He loves us in spite of what we've done. And so God's love shines brighter because think about this. When we think about why someone should love another person, right, we usually are like, man, you know, even, even when you, you start dating, a lot of times you're like, the question is, why do, you, why do you love me or why do you like me, right? And a lot of times the answer goes something like, well, you're beautiful, you're smart, you have a nice smile, right? You're talented, right? You're independent, right? You're a leader, all of that stuff, right? But check this out, with God, what happens when we stop being those things, if that were the reason, right? If we were to stop being all of those things, right, then that would, all of a sudden, that means God, God would pull back his love from us, if that were the reason. And so, in fact, it's humbling to say that I've done nothing to earn God's love, but simultaneously it's freedom because I don't have to earn or work to perform for God to earn his love. And so we can rest in the reality that God's love was not based on me. It wasn't based on the fact that I did something or, or followed these many commands or didn't or did do something that God wanted me to do. No, it's based solely on the love of God. Oh, man, you should have said amen when I said that. And lastly, Paul ends that part and he says, now in light of who you are in Christ and in light of what God has done for you, in light of even though you were a sinful person, God desired uh, to have you in his family, and he sent Christ in, into the world to save you. Now, this is how you're to live with one another. He says, listen, Gentiles, and as Crawford shared last week, Gentiles are any non-Jewish person, right? That, so that includes all of us, unless there's some Jewish people here, which, no? Okay, so maybe. Okay, so we got one. Um, but that means all of us are, this is, this is related to us. And uh, Crawford, Crawford spoke about, Pastor Crawford spoke about the fact that um, God bringing, up, bringing us into his family was not, was not a right of ours. And it's hard to fathom that, but God had a plan and a purpose, and he started with the Jewish people, and he gave them promises and a relationship with him. And so it wasn't ours from the beginning, but God desired it from the beginning, as Ephesians says. But eventually it was to come into the world. And so when, when, when Paul shows us, he says, listen, you were not a part of God's family initially. You, you did not have these promises applied to you. And in fact, you could not, unless you became a Jew in the Old Testament, unless you became a Jew, you would not be able to approach God. And so there were many um, hoops, if you will, to jump through in order for you to be able to experience God's presence and his promises. But God, this is the brilliance of it. God now is saying, as Gentiles, you now have been brought in. You no longer are, are having to become or follow this train of, of religious practices, right? 
And by the way, God, God designed it, so I, I don't want to say anything about the law. Um, God gave these commandments on purpose, right? But they were designed for a purpose, as Pastor Crawford shared as well last week. But ultimately, now Gentiles did not have to become Jews to become a part of God's family. And that's good news, because now accepting us on the basis of what Christ has done and not because of what we've done. Amen. And so that brings us to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. So if you uh, turn there with me. You can say amen when you get there. And if you have technology, you can press a button and get there as well. Amen. So Paul starts off in chapter 3, verse 1, and he says this. He says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promises of Christ Jesus. So starting in, in 3 verse 1, Paul He's, he's actually about to start praying, and he kind of interjects himself soon thereafter, but he starts off, and he says, for this reason, and he, he goes, basically, he says that going back to chapter 2, verse 11 um, through 22, where he expounds on the fact that Jews and Gentiles are now brought in together as one family, and so he's getting ready to pray. Um, next week, you'll be able to see that, but um, he's getting ready to pray that these believers will actually be able to live in harmony with one another and actually be able to live that out. But he starts and kind of expounds on this mystery a little bit. And he starts by saying, I am the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And so as I, as I was studying, I, I began to think, like, if you think about the heart of God for us, and you think about the fact that Paul in that day was sending him specifically to a certain group of people so that they would hear of this good news, what, what does that say about the heart of God? That God's desire was, was to send a particular individual and others to a particular group of people that he cares about, right, in order that they might hear of, of, of the riches. You see, it wasn't God's desire that we would be in the dark, right? It wasn't God's desire that we would be blinded or that we wouldn't be able to experience uh, his good pleasure and the joys that he promised the Jews, but God actually had a plan, and he sent Paul to this group of people, not to mention that Paul was a Jewish man. So when we think about God's, God's intervening in, in history and God's uh, intervening on the behalf of a group of people, God sent a Jewish man, and by the way, for Jews, they, they a lot of times did not associate with Gentiles, um, but God changed Paul's heart and sent him on a mission directly to a group of people. And you think about, like, how, how do we know that this, that what Paul's going to say is actually true? Well, think about this, that as a Jewish person, you wouldn't have done that. 
And so God changing the heart of a person to then go to a particular group of people and share with them this hope. I mean, his, his Jewish contemporaries, his Jewish friends would have looked at him like, are you nuts? Like, what are you doing going there? Right? But man, this is, this is the love of God for people. And this is also uh, Paul's dedication to the gospel. This is Paul's heart. And for many of us, you know, who might have grown up in the church or maybe you got saved at a later date, think about the people that God has put in your life to share with you the hope in the gospel. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I think of my, my youth pastor growing up, you know, who poured into me. I think of my parents, right, who, who modeled prayer, right? Um, by the way, they're there, so I can point them out. Um, right, you can clap for them. They made this guy, so you can clap for them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think about all the people that God had brought into my life to be able to, to get me to the point of where I, I confess the Lord Jesus and, and also to help me grow in that relationship. And so when you think about the love of God, that God has sent people into your life, right? God has sent pastors, teachers, um, prophets, evangelists, uh, friends and family that have encouraged you in your faith, right? God has put us in a church body to be able to grow in our faith. And so when we think about God's care for us, uh, we, we should not um, overlook the fact that God has given us people um, to be able to shepherd us and, and guide us along in our walk. In verse 2, he, he goes on, he says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Again, highlighting God's God, God, God orchestrated this, right? God gave this to Paul. And he says, that is the mystery made known to be by revelation as I have already written briefly. Um, go back with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. So Paul already talked about the blessings that they have. And now he kind of speaks a little bit about this mystery. This is kind of this overarching idea of like, what is God up to, Right? kind of like architects, right? They have a blueprint, and while it's not the actual building, it kind of sets you up to be able to see um, what, what that person is up to. And in the same way, God kind of shows us a little bit into what Paul's talking about here, the mystery. He says, and he made known, he's talking about God, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven on earth together under one head, even Christ. And so God's big plan is to, to take the brokenness from relationships in the world, to take the brokenness of creation, um, and to, to bring it back together as it was intended to be, right? Back in the garden, as we see Adam and Eve in complete harmony with God, everything should be, but obviously sin, you know, threw a bomb in there and, and blew it up, right? But God is now, he's saying, listen, my plan is to restructure things and bring it back to its intended purpose. And we'll see that at the end of times, but God is starting now. And I think sometimes we miss that, where a lot of times as Christians, we're awaiting heaven, right? We're awaiting this place that one day, man, I can't wait to get out of here. I'm right? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm tired, of, I'm tired of this relationship. I can't wait till I get there. But, but God is actually using you right, to be able to start that process and actually be able to continue it until we see that final point. And so Paul talks about this mystery, 
that has now been revealed. And he goes on in verse 4. He says, In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. And so Paul then goes on to say, Listen, this revelation that was revealed... Right? It, it wasn't revealed to them back then. And as I was reading, I can't understand why God would have kept it a secret at that point. But God, who knows all things in his wisdom, decided that at a particular time, it was fitting for Jesus to come into the world and for him to develop the church and start this, uh, this plan of his. But he says it wasn't revealed to them th- then. But now it is. And so how privileged is that? Right? A lot of times when we, when we talk... Um, to one another, right? It feels good to, to know information once know before, right? Because you feel like you're in the know, right? <laughs> um, but Paul is saying, man, this, this being in the know for this stuff is, is beautiful and know that it is a privilege that God has laid into our hands. The fact that God is saying, listen, you are a part of God's plan and that you are a part of this mystery, which he's going to talk about even more And he says that it's been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. You see, God had a plan to Gentiles, non-Jewish people, and Jews together. And he he highlighted it. There's like little traces of it in the Bible that we see, right? If we look at Genesis 12, verse 3, when God promises to uh, Abraham that he will be blessed as a Jewish person, as he's starting the Jewish family, he tells them that through him all the nations will be blessed. Right? So God promised that he would bless Abraham, but not so that Abraham could just enjoy that, right? He promised it so that other people in the world would be blessed outside of the Jewish race, right? And so we see glimpses of that. We see uh, Rahab, right? In the Bible, if you guys are familiar, Rahab was a, a prostitute, right? She was a, a, a citizen in Jericho, which was, again, a non Jewish place. And somehow, Through faith, she gets brought into the family of the Jewish people, right? We see Ruth in the Bible, right? Ruth was a Moabite, again, a non-Jewish place, but she gets brought into God's family. And so we see glimpses of people undeserving, right, getting brought in. And so it should have set sparks off in people's minds that, man, God is up to something. But for whatever reason, it it remained hidden from their sight. And the truth is that the full weight of that, the full blessings that they would receive did not fully, um, were not fully uh, received until this moment. And so verse 6 tells us the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. And so Israel, understand this, when Israel had their whole campsite, right? If you've gone camping before, they had a bunch of tents wrapped around, right? A bunch of people. And at the center, right, was, was God, this, this tabernacle where people would um, experience God. And if, if you can imagine this, there were moments where God would appear um, in, in glory and there would be a, a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud. There was a moment where God descended on the mountain and you saw God's glory. And it was terrifying because as a human being, you're like, oh my gosh, this is God. I mean, imagine this. This is God in the middle of where we live, right? And so Jews had access to that, but even then it was limited, right? Only certain people could go in this tent and talk to God on behalf of the people. But they got to witness God before them. And now the Gentiles 
get to experience the same thing in a way, right? You see, when, God, when Jesus descended into heaven, right, Jesus promised a great promise. He said, listen, I'm going away, but my spirit will be on you. My personal presence will be inside of you, which is crazy to me, because if you read Ephesians 1, towards the end, it says that the, the same spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead is the same spirit alive in you and I. I mean, this is why, can you see why we need the Spirit's help to understand these things? Because when we live day to day, I, I see I'm more, I'm more aware of my sinfulness, and I'm more aware of the fact that I'm not godly than I am that I have God living within me. And so we need God's help to understand, man, this Spirit that lives within us, God has poured this out, and so we have we have the spirit that testifies that we're children of God. We have the spirit that allows us to go before a holy God and be able to pray and talk to him whenever we want. And I, I, I brought up that C.S. Lewis quote to kind of highlight that at times I don't think we fully understand the weight of what we have access to. I mean, when you were a, a, a high priest, those were the people that could go before God. They went before God carefully and cautiously on behalf of the people because there were measures of, the, of what they had to do to go before God. And so they had to, they had to come almost, almost trembling at, 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 at God because they're like, man, I, I want to I get this right. I want to make sure that I come before God correct. But now because of what Jesus has done, he's literally, he's taken away all of our sin. When we go before God in prayer, what used to come in, in the form of a, a trembling kind of fear, now there's this confidence and boldness that we have. And it's not an arrogant boldness. We still come humbly, but it's this attitude of, wow, God actually wants to hear from me. And God has actually invited me into his presence to be able to pray. And at any moment, I mean, I'm talking about the bathroom. I'm talking about in your basement. I'm talking about in your head, like all these places that initially could not be the place that we would encounter God. Now we can encounter God in. I mean... And so God is saying, listen, the beauty of what you've received, the reason it's a mystery and the reason why I'm revealing it to you with such confidence and joy, the reason why I'm willing to go to prison um, is because God has set up um, such a beautiful gift for you to be able to access God and experience the same promises. And not only that, but guys, we are a body together with other believers. I know sometimes it doesn't feel that way, right? I know sometimes... Uh, church people get on your nerves, right? And I know at times it doesn't always feel like in this country and in our city that we're as unified as, as we should be, right? But understand that, that God's purpose for us, as we begin to understand who we are, what God has done for us, that, man, God, I was a sinner, but you loved me and saved me, and, and you did not count my sins against me, and I'm as different from you as night and day, but yet you still love me and forgave me. This is what changes us to be able to now uh, love our fellow brothers and sisters, although we're superiorly different in, in, in a lot of ways, and, and sometimes in minor ways that we kind of magnify. But God is saying, listen, if you understand that, if you understand what God has done for you, if you understand the that you have in God, then you'll be able to live out God's plan of unity. Amen? Verse 7 says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, 
This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So Paul, Paul wants us to understand that this was God's gift on, on Paul's life to be, able to, to be able to share this hope. And, and I kind of wanted to, to share that if you're a believer here, God has literally given you special gifts, at least one, special gifts to be used for the building up of one another, right? And there's multiple books of the Bible that kind of share them, but there are spiritual gifts. Paul was an apostle. He was a sent one. He established churches, right? He helped leaders grow so that they'd be able to disciple their, their church, right? He's given prophets, those who proclaim the word of God and are able to share um, insight into God's heart for people right through his word. He's given teachers to be able to expound the word so that we would understand and know how to live it. He's given people with the gift of, of generosity so that God's ministry can continue to go forth. He's given people the gift of service and mercy so that they would see the needs of the church and, and, and have compassion on them so that they might be able to go and, and build this up. But those are, they're diverse gifts. But God, is, God has given Paul this gift, and he's saying, listen, I'm not using this gift to enrich myself, right? I'm not using this gift to kind of make me look good. I'm, I'm using this gift so that you would grow up and that you would mature in your faith and be built up. And so, guys, we've been given our lives in Christ. It's not just to, so that we can uh, enjoy the Lord on our own and, and kind of like have these, these special moments with God. It's part of that, right? But God has also equipped us. He's given us gifts so that we'd be able to build up the body and be able to grow in unity. And Paul identifies that. And Paul says in verse 9, he says, To make plain everyone administration of this mystery for which ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. God is in charge of all this. And so God's going to see it through. And even with that, I mean, think about this. Israel failed, guys, in the Bible, right? That's not a knock on Jewish people, but that's just reality. Jewish people in, in their relationship with God constantly, there were moments of success, but they failed many times, right? And But, but God's, check this out, God was not saying, oh, you failed, let me go back to the drawing board, right? God's not playing chess where one person makes the move and then he has to think about it and then God makes a move, right? No, this plan figured out. And I want to encourage you that for many of us, when we think about our lives, we, we look at the failures and we look at the things in our lives that have failed and we don't realize that God's plan for your life, right, is already set in stone, right? Like God, you cannot fail God. And I don't say that you can't sin against God because there's some tension there. Reality is we can break God's law and his commandments. But in reality, God's desire for you, if you're a believer, you will make it to the end. Yes. Does that make sense? Like God's plan and purpose for your life are, are foolproof. Yes. And, and so God is, Paul highlights that he's the creator of all things because this was God's plan. God didn't invent this plan because Israel failed. God didn't bring the Gentiles in because Israel failed, and so he's like, hey, I need a replacement, and Gentiles come in, and so we're all cheering like, yeah, we're the new Israel, right? Like, no, God's plan was from the beginning to bring them together, and so that's encouraging because God's plan for Israel and the Gentiles, if that was fail-proof, then God individually for your life, God's plans for you are fail-proof. Yes. 
And so we need to rest in that because a lot of times we go through, again, ebbs and flows of our life. There, there are trials and tribulations we experience and in really high moments. And we understand, we don't understand, God, why, why, why is there this back and forth? And, and God's saying, listen, trust me. Surrender, submit to me, right? My plans for you are sure. Verse 10, he says, his intent, this is God saying his heart, and this is, this is a little, little tricky, but he says his intent was that now through the church, that's us and, and Jews and, and other ethnic groups, right, including in the body of Christ, he said the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we don't think about this a lot. A lot of times we're like, man, Christianity, we're, we understand this idea that I'm meant to live for God in the natural world, right? Like, I'm meant to, to show God's glory to my neighbors and my friends and to my family, right? But we don't understand that our relationship with God and, and this whole system that God has created the church as we're developing and growing in unity is saying something to the spiritual realm about God's wisdom, right? So angels and demons, we don't like to talk about it, right? But it's real, right? And, and there, were, there, were, there was a time when as Jesus was dying on the cross, Satan and demons are looking at Jesus and they're, they're laughing and probably joyfully saying, man, this plan is done for. And then he rises from the dead, showing that they're defeated, right? Their plan didn't work, right? But as the church now grows, we're displaying to angels and, and demons and Satan that God is good and God is glorified and God has a plan. And even though they're looking at us as, as failures at times, because we're like, man, like we, we sometimes love God and other times we don't act like it, but God has, has made a way for there to be this statement that God's plan is sure and that God's love is secure. And so uh, we don't fully understand this, but God is using this church. God is using other churches. He's using the big church, right, to be able to display that God is wise, that God is good, that God is awesome. Um, and we need to understand that. In our daily lives, do we think about that? Do we think about, man, my life is being used to glorify God in a way that I can't even imagine, yeah. right? Like, we are, we are trophies of God. I know that may sound impersonal. We know that God is not an impersonal God, but in one sense, we are trophies beholding God's glory to the rest of the world and also to the unseen realm as well. And that should get you excited, man. When you love people, when you love people, when you love each other in unity, you're saying to the world, man, look at God. Look at God's grace. Look at his, his love in spite of me, right? And verse 11 says, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, without Christ, this is, not, this is not possible. But know that Christ Jesus died for sinners like us so that we would be brought together in unity. And he accomplished this by raising him from the dead. And that's why we can celebrate here and enjoy this fellowship and, and, and be able to glorify God in what we do. Verse 12 says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Verse 13, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And Paul kind of highlights, again, talking about the benefits of what Gentiles has, have received. He says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That was that boldness I was talking about, that we have access to God. And so as, we, as we're here today and as we're you know, we, we think about our lives and we think about the purpose of our lives and even the fact that God has, 
has, has brought you here and all these different things that might go through our heads, understand that God's, the grace of Jesus Christ is the reason why we have the ability to go before the Lord confidently and with hope. And my heart, my heart is that we would dwell on this, that it wouldn't be we're just like, man, I, I heard a great sermon, I heard, you know, that Jesus loves me and that I have access to him, but, but that you would spend time this week dwelling on, on, on what this means, that, man, if, if God has forgiven me of everything, how does that change my life? If I have access to God at any moment, how does that change how much time I spend with God? Or how does that change the attitude in which I go before Right? If God is, has forgiven me and saved me and changed me, how does that change the way I contribute to the local church in terms of serving and giving of my gifts? Right. Or if God has loved me and saved me in, in spite of us being so different, right? how does this change the way I love my brothers and sisters in Christ? Right? How does that change the way I love people that are ethnically different than me? Right? Economically different than me. How does this change the way that I, I love my neighbor, right? my family, my friends. Good. And Paul says this. He says, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. He understands. Listen, Paul was in prison for the sake of this gospel, but also for the sake that they would understand the riches of this glory, man. God's desire is that you would be encouraged in this reality. It wouldn't be something of a, of a doctrine or a theology that we kind of know, but it'd be something that you experience, that this is our glory, church, that the fact that we have been brought into Christ's family and we have access to him, this is something that we celebrate on a daily. When you wake up, when you go to sleep, that there would be this joy bubbling in you that says, man, I am loved by God. I am saved. I'm forgiven. I've been changed by God. God, this, where I'm at in my life right now, there is, there is more to be had in Christ than where I'm at right now, that God's plan is secure for me, and he has a purpose for me, and even the sufferings that I endure for the sake of Christ and the sufferings that I endure in this life, man, they don't compare to what God has for me um, in this world and even in the next to come. Amen. And so I want you guys to be encouraged, guys. Amen. And so my heart, my heart is that, guys, you would... You would understand this, that you would understand, listen, that God so loved you that he sent Jesus. He's, he has given you access to him. He's, he, he cares about you more than you know. And this hope in us, man, this, this should be the thing that excites us the most about life. And it should be something that we, we again, we, we praise God for and enjoy in our daily life. Let this be your joy this week. Indeed, let this be your joy this week. Would you pray with me? Father God, we love you, Lord, because you've been good to us, God. Father, if, if we're honest, Lord, there, there have been many times where we have not uh, lived according to your word, and yet you still love us, Father, because of your son. Father, and while we still find ourselves weak, Lord, we ask for your grace, Lord, just as Paul prayed uh, by his Holy Spirit that you would open our eyes to understand just what we have received in Christ, God, that we wouldn't take it for granted. God, we wouldn't downplay it. We wouldn't allow it to just be a thought or, or ideas that we hold in our minds, but God, that you would give us power um, through your Holy Spirit to, to experience this on a daily, God, that we would want to spend time with you because you're accessible and because you've given us that access. God, it's a privilege. And God, when we feel powerless, God, that we would turn in faith to you and understand that, God, you have promised that we have access to you to gra grab mercy and grace in our time of need, Lord, as you said in Hebrews, Lord. 
And so, Father, these truths that we have learned today, I pray that you would allow them to to sink deep into our hearts, that they would change the way we live. God, that they would cause us to want to love each other more, Father God. They would want us to, to fight for unity more. And they would cause us to want to love you deeper, Lord, as a result. God, we, we so thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We so thank you for your love towards us, Father. Be with us this week, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.